Welcome to the Spike Feed, your leading Magic the Gathering podcast. What is up? My name is Curtis, and I'm just your typical Spike. On the line with me, my executive producer extraordinaire, Cameron McCoy. Friend, how are you doing? You know, I've got some negative vibes today. I just need to kind of air those all out, I think. Um, yeah, yeah. So I, I apologize to everybody if it, if it feels like a negative show today. Yeah, well, here's the thing, dude, is... is this show, I think, really depends on, you know, it's two dudes and wherever we're at in life, sometimes that <laughs> reflects in the show. And I, whatever the opposite of a magic heater was, I was on that this morning. And that combined with watching my Chiefs lose a football game because mm. of a taunting call, meaning he said words that were mean, mm-hmm. no actual physical penalty. So, I know, Cameron, you have freed yourself from football, American football, and I'm proud of you. Yeah. It is an incredibly abusive, yeah, incredibly abusive relationship that I'm in with it. And I just have to make sense in my head that it is okay for these people to hurt each other, but not hurt each other's feelings. Mm -hmm. And it's tough. It's tough. So that all being said, luckily, Wizards of the Coast has provided us with some... um, interesting things to talk about with relationship to magic 30 and that's like in a month we're not going uh (laughs) but we can certainly talk about it however i want to talk about these formats what we've been playing you've been hitting the explorer cameron i have and pioneer i forgot to put pioneer in paper uh so i'm playing my blue white control list i would love to tell you that there's something new that I've put into this Pioneer list, but it, it is just classico. I mean, we're like, you know, floating between, do we put two farewells in or one farewell, you know, and then what mm-hmm. else do I surround around that? Uh, so that's Pioneer. I had a good time at the shop, and that was it was just nice to be uh, physically present to play Magic the Gathering. Um, every time I get a little frustrated or a lot of frustrated with with um, arena or just the online aspect of magic, um, going in person and just chatting with real human beings really uh, sets a good tone for for the evening, even if I don't do well. So I mean, I ended up going uh, two one, and that was it. It wasn't really anything special, but it was just nice to play in paper. Um, in the, the Explorer realm, I have been playing, I think a, a wide variety of things, the blue, white control list that I normally always play. Um, and then the new, new, I don't know, black, red mid range deck, um, which is now running, you know, the blood tithe, a, a full package of blood tithe harv- harvesters, a full package of graveyard trespassers, um, shield red. Is that how you pronounce it? Sheol Dread. Dread. Sheol Dread. There we go. Uh, you know, two of that and um, some Lilianas. And this is a really, really good deck in Explorer. Obviously, it's been putting up results in um, in all the other, like, you know, on MTG Goldfish and whatnot. But, dude, like, Turn 1 Thought Seize is actually a thing, and I love it. Like, I mean, turn one thought season to blood tithe harvester into graveyard trespasser rock and roll. Um, like, it's not like the perfect deck. I mean, I feel like I still struggle against like blue white control. Um, but there's just 
so many avenues to attack your opponent. Like there's so much just bounce back. Like they, they wipe the board or whatever. And there's just so many other things that you can do to just return things with um, a Culligan's command or, you know, Chandra Torch of Defiance lets you dig. I mean, it's just like, it's such a good, resilient deck. Um, I think it is one of the best things you could be doing right now in Explorer. Yeah, Shieldred, by the way, do you know what Shieldred's worth at tabletop? It's expensive, I think, right? It's over $50 now. Dang, yeah. So, all-star. yeah, All-Star multi-format, All-Star Shieldred, um, which I think is shocking. But again, when you when you play with it and in Limited, it is a house. Mm-hmm. The only time I've beaten it in Limited is because the person attacked me and they didn't need to mm-hmm. and i was able to kill it because i had a kill target to have creature thing and i mean i was just like blown away i was like geez that was that was a close one yeah um so here's the thing i, I just want to talk a little bit about dominaria united so first of all we are still living in this world of premier drafts so drafts costing 1500 gems or 10,000 gold it's like I feel like this has been out long enough that maybe we need to be on the, uh, not premier draft, I can't remember what the other draft is called, where it's the cheaper draft, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because it kind of hits this absurdity. And I was like, I was like dog pounding around trying to find, you know, a more cost effective way to draft. Cause I, I would say I'm 500 ish at Dominaria United, but I do think it is a pretty good format. So it's what I've been pursuing. And um, they still have the auto draft thing where you Ooh. can draft with bots. I totally have forgotten that existed on this uh, client. Remember that used to be the only that way, and we would thing. beg. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we would beg for a different draft format, and now it's like maybe there are people that do that a lot, and maybe I should be doing that. I don't know, but it's kind of wild to me that that happened. I do, I do want to just bring up the draft in this context because um, apparently there's a bug that's very common. So I pack one, pick one, the Red Wrath. I can't remember what it's called, but it's the Red Wrath with Kicker, right? Okay. And I'm like, sweet. And then it goes to the next screen, and it's Runic Shot, like the card that's in my pool. It's not the Wrath Effect, which is an uncommon card, a good card, um, but still not what I picked. And I was like, geez, did I misclick? What the heck? Go the whole draft, no red cards on my deck, look at the the um, monitoring, all that stuff, no red cards on my deck, nothing. Get to the end of the draft... There it is in my pool, like on the pool screen. Ooh, no, that's bad. Yeah, so I I put together a really decent blue-white deck, but I mean, as soon as, like, I wasn't looking for red because I thought, well, I don't, I have this really good blue-white uncommon. I'm just going to mm-hmm. draft that, and that's kind of where the draft went. But I look it up, and apparently this is a really common bug, and you're expected to close out of arena, then open it back up. Oh, sure, yeah. You know, in the middle of a draft. Yeah. Totally will work out for you. No, 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 no biggie. <laughs> but like, uh, so be leery of this because it definitely happened. And my computer, I mean, it's not a disaster, but it's definitely not something that I would trust to close out of an app and re-sign into Arena inside of 20 seconds mm-hmm. or whatever, right? Like, so be aware of that. I cannot believe that that's a bug. Seems a little bit nuts. I still had a reasonable draft, so I didn't really want to like 
ask for compensation or whatever. Mm-hmm. But uh, I I could have seen a way in which I would have gone 1-3 in that draft and just been furious, right? So it is what it is. Um, but Cameron, if we're just being real with each other, the drafts that I'm doing is just camouflage to avoid how much I dislike standard. Yeah, dude. And the thing that is the struggle for me is if you look up the MTG Goldfish standard, if you look up the daily standard results from uh, Magic the Gathering Online, all these things, you would say, this looks like a standard for Curtis. This has got a bunch of variety, as long as you're playing black. This has got a bunch of things that you could do. But I actively dislike the play patterns, and it's a really hard thing to convey, and it's not something that I really want to crush Wizards on because clearly there are people that are enjoying it and whatever. But... The heart of the problem is, again, the decks... I guess when we say all the decks feel like check pile, that doesn't say anything to people that don't know what that is or didn't play around that. But you end up just playing these certain same core group of cards across mm-hmm. all the decks, and then the the only thing that changes is what you're playing around it, right? But we've gotten to this stage where not only is mono black playing um invoke despair so is esper so is grixis yeah so is black red and also shieldred also tenacious underdog and then it's like okay what am i surrounding with this right oh infernal grass cut down all these things also matter mead hook massacre also matters so like you are playing against not the mirror but we'll say roughly a fourth of everybody's deck is the exact same category of cards yeah to the point, Invoke Despair feels very similar to the Agent of Treachery decks, where it's like, how are you casting an Agent of Te- Treachery back in like standards past? Where it's like, how are you getting to the Invoke Despair? Because I feel like everything kind of leads to that because you get the three-for-one sort of value from that card. And it's an incredibly good card, but like so many of the things just support like going to that specific play. Yeah, and like I would also say that there are other cards that we should be talking about here. I think Fable of the Mirror Breaker fits in this category because mm-hmm. even though it's not a black card, it pairs so well with those cards that you're always there with it. The only question is, oh, well, if I'm Asper, I guess I'm playing Wedding Announcement or whatever else instead. I still have not brought myself to play any of the Delver decks, but every time I look at the Delver results, like half the people that have done anything with it have gone one and three. So like, <laughs> I, I, I just, maybe I'm missing something. And I got to be honest with you, I, in my personal play experience, I find still Mono Black, Black Red, and Grixis to be way better than Esper. I know the results on MTG Goldfish don't bear that out. And maybe I'm just playing Esper wrong. Mm-hmm. But man, I think that deck is not nearly as good as Grixis, and I don't know why that is. It's probably just a playstyle thing, but, I mean, I just, I win a lot more with Grixis. And uh, that's just, again, my own sample size or whatever, but it's still, I mean, I'm really pushing myself through these, whereas, like, the previous standard, when I was playing that variation of Esper Range, which it should be said is not that far off from this, but, you know, there were a bunch of different other decks. Mm-hmm. You know, and everybody, oh, Goldspan Dragon is ruining the form. I didn't really find that to be the case. And honestly, I like that standard a lot better. It's just really hard to quantify what that is, right? But 
it's been multiple days now of in, like feeling like this. So I don't think it's just because I had like some bad enchiladas or something and it put me in a bad mood and whatever. It's it's not the Chiefs game. You know what I'm saying? It's sure. other things that are happening here. Um, speaking of bad mood, I, I want to just relay to you these moments I've had where I can't tell if I'm just the crotchety old man shaking my head at the cloud, hand at the clouds, but there's been a multitude of these moments in Magic recently. I feel like, Cameron, when we started this show a few years ago, just like a couple years ago, right? Because we're still yeah. super young. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, I was so wholehearted in my promotion of magic to you as a human being. Like, it's a great community. It's gonna. It's great for you mentally. It, there's a lot of like life philosophy stuff kind of baked in that you don't necessarily think about, but it's also a really fun time to go out and play cards and meet people. It was an excuse for us to hang out. Excuse for us to do the show. And then I, these moments have piled up where they just kind of like, they. it feels like magic has just kind of really left me far behind, to quote Candlebox. Mm-hmm. And that moment really, like alchemy was one of those moments, right? Yep. Space Jace has been one of these moments. <laughs> I don't know why. So this is a, a card in the new Unset. I don't know that it's even really worth reading. I don't know that it would even say Steve play. Mm-hmm. But for some reason, this unset, unlike previous unsets, has cards that are legal in Vintage, Legacy, and Popper. Mm-hmm. Please help me, Cameron. Please understand. Help me understand why this is. Why would you do this? Why? Uh, uh... I, I, the almighty dollar. <laughs> it's a way to make money. Somehow they're going to print one card from this unset that's going to be incredible in legacy, incredible in vintage, completely bust the format wide open, and everybody's going to buy it. And everybody's going to buy dumb space jace in order to get the cards that they need. And Wizards wins, we all lose. Like, uh, to be clear, I have no problem with unsets. They're not maybe for me, but I appreciate the, the, the fun of them, and I'm glad that people enjoy them, and I, and I think they should exist. Okay? But what, what, why? Like, I get it that it's the dollar, but it's like just the perspective of how they've treated their non-rotating formats. And again... These are things that other companies would kill to have that kind of, no pun intended, legacy, clout, right? Not, not to, again, make this about watches, but here we go, okay? There's a, there's a big trend towards vintage-styled modern watches, so meaning a watch that is currently made, but it looks like something that's made in the 60s, right? Like, that mm-hmm. is the thing. When you are a brand that already existed back then, it's awesome. Mm-hmm. If you are just some random small company that's out of you know Des Moines, Iowa's garage, and you're like, "Hey, we're gonna make this look like an old, you know, whatever Omega Seamaster," it it's ridiculous, right? Mm-hmm. Like people buy into the history and the um, again the legacy of what a brand is, and I feel like they do this. So well with Dungeons and Dragons. 
right? Dungeons and Dragons, like whenever they do like the red uh, cover things that look like the booklets from when we were kids and all that, like it just like I don't play D and D, and I feel something when I see those things. And then Space Spellerin <laughs> feels like I'm getting ready to eat something delicious and someone just slaps it out of my hands like it's just like really <laughs> unnecessarily insulting mm-hmm. talk me down from the ledge cameron tell me this stuff doesn't matter it's not for me and i need to get over it go no like i mean this is just the part of the track record of like printing all this doing the things that i just disagree with and it all stems back to just print the dual lands again just do it instead you go out of your way to create all this stuff and then inject it into the history of this incredible game, into these incredible formats that you have. And it's just dumb. It's just, I just don't, that's not what I need in a non-rotating format. That's not what I need in a Magic the Gathering community. It's not for me. It is maybe for somebody. I get it. But like, I feel like they're putting support into things that don't need it and like there is some real support that needs to happen for something like legacy or vintage it's just it's the a direction that i just completely disagree with it feels like the walking dead thing again yeah yeah remember we had this like visceral reaction of like well we're just diluting the brand chasing whatever i'm i i guarantee you when it comes to the cross brand crossovers and all that They've talked about Fortnite and all these other things, mm-hmm. right? And they they are chasing this along with everybody else. But like, what they don't seem to understand is you don't have the platform that Fortnite does for these things, right? Mm-hmm. And <laughs> again, it, it's just astonishing to me, like, kind of the hostility they treat their best customers with. Like, I just can't imagine another brand in the world doing that. It's just mm-hmm. wild to me. So whatever. Let's keep down this path. So Magic 30, Cameron. Yeah. The 30th, there's this 30th anniversary huge event, right, celebrating 30 years of Magic. Okay? And, hey, you can open a Space Bellerin. They're going to have an Infinity event there. That's cool. Um... They're having a modern tournament that feeds into a top eight where you can draft from beta. So that's cool. There's cool things like that, right? Um, this is a... Um, what, what, it, it's much more of a festival event than a competitive event. Um, and, you know, you could say, oh, well, they have the Magic World Championship too, so it's kind of like tied together with a competitive event, but... It does kind of gall me a little bit that you don't have just a straight-up Grand Prix because I feel like that ties in more with the history of the game. Uh, but they do have an exclusive secret layer, Cameron. Book your ticket. Mm. Um, so, look, all the looks like all the uh, packages are sold out in case you wanted to take a flyer on it. Um, but there's been a few missteps here. Okay. And you and I are not cosplayers. We would never pretend to be. But I just wanted to convey this because I think it is emblematic of where this company is at. Tone, I mean, tone deaf. Tone deaf is the word we're going to use. Mm-hmm. 
So in case you don't know, there's a cosplay contest. These are commonly held at festivals and, you know, big company events. Um, I asked you to guess, Cameron, what you could come up with is the most insulting prize to give a cosplay championship winner. And I can't remember what words came out of your mouth, but it was not the, in fact, the actual prize, <laughs> which is a $200 gift card to Joanne Fabrics. Um, now, look, no shade on Joanne's. My daughter loves Joanne's. Yeah. My mother loved Joanne's. Great place to get your sewing machine serviced. Fun fact, in case you're in the market for that kind of thing. Hashtag not sponsored. But Cameron, I this feels like something that got regifted. Am I right here? Like <laughs> the, <laughs> it cost, hold on. For the whole weekend, it cost $160. If you're a cosplayer, just to make a profit, you gotta make your costume in $39 plus travel, plus hotel. So I'm gonna go ahead and say that's not possible. Yeah. And sorry, I just I can't I can't get over the the silliness that no one stopped and said, "Hey guys, that is a bad idea." Whether it's Wizards of the Coast or whoever's the event partner or whatever, it feels like one of the things that you would get at a high school 50/50 raffle at a JV basketball game. Yeah. It's like they're <laughs> actively trying to discourage people from cosplaying at these magic events, right? It feels like I, that. I, I mean, hey, you have to be the best of the best to get that $200 Joanne Fabrics gift card, right? They just don't meet that out to everybody, buddy. In case you're wondering, second and third place get $100 in Joanne Fabrics bucks. <laughs> Dude. Like, it's so I, hard to talk about without, like, laughing. Okay, so over the summer, I went to Trekfest in Riverside, Iowa. I think I talked about it on the show. Uh, it's like a big Star Trek festival that takes place in a small town in rural Iowa. They have a costume contest, and there's tons of people that, you know, dress up and go to that sort of thing. And it was really, really awesome. First place at a rural Iowa town event for Star Trek was a $1,000 Batleth guitar. <laughs> Wizards of the Coast, multi-million dollar organization. Here's $200 to, they probably, which was probably a re-gift that somebody got at a Christmas party. Like, yeah. it's so insulting, dude. So, and again, even if this is pastimes, the lack of brand awareness to say to your partner, your tournament organizer, hey, <laughs> we are a company with a market cap of $9.8 billion. Perhaps we can offer more than a Joanne's Fabric gift card. I, I, it, it is astonishing to me. Just astonishing. And I can't believe... I can't believe that this just passed the smell <laughs> test to any human being. 
Like, what in the world? Okay, well, there also there's not a lot of details on certain on-demand events. Some people are saying there's no on-demand events, which, again, would be pretty crushing. Some people haven't been to a Magic event for two, three years, like a real one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They saved up their money. They got their ticket for this. They bought the VIP package, whatever. And there's no on-demand event in case they want to play, you know, Vintage. For example, um, you know, I guess you're just supposed to start your own table up and just get some pickup games going, a vintage or something. I don't know. Like, and again, this kind of all like this ties together, dude, right? Because like, yeah, if you're doing a 30th anniversary event, to me, you should live stream of the highest end vintage tournament you can. Really like show off what the history of this game is. Get people engaged. Get people that want to save up for that Black Lotus or that Mox Pearl, right? Get people to like engage with the history of the game. But instead, like again, and I'm not trying to be terrible here, but the whole event just seems like it's not for me. Like it just seems like, hey, this is the 30th anniversary of Magic, and we're going to celebrate more recent stuff. We're not mm-hmm. going to worry about kind of the history of the game and stuff, but have you seen, you know, the streamers that we've got attached to this thing, right? Mm-hmm. Hey, we're going to do an unset release. And it's just like so antithetical to what I, my magic experience is and what I think the strength of magic is. Mm-hmm. I think they're still chasing being, like we just talked about Riot Games as the example, but the, the community is not in the same place and they're not supporting the community as well. Mm-hmm. So... It's just really, really, really difficult to stomach. And I just can't believe, like, you could tell me in the past, like, hey, Curtis, there's going to be a 30th anniversary thing for Magic that you're going to opt to never even consider going. Mm-hmm. It's a bummer. Yeah. This is where what you're supposed I to talk to me give for 2012, just going to a Star City event, man. Like, I just felt like that did so much better of a job, even though, like, what I was there for was the tournament. I got a much better sense of like what magic was all about at any of those sort of like smaller regional events. And maybe that's it just needs to be more grassrootsy again. I don't know. Yeah, 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 yeah. And just I don't know, man. <laughs> <laughs> it's 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 awful. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <sighs> not for me. Anyway. I'll just say that it's not for me. Yeah, but I do think there is a level of you can say not for me, but you can also provide the feedback for why you think it's a disappointing thing, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. I think too often people conflate those two things. You Watsy does not have to make things for me, but I would really appreciate it if they would honor their past and the previous things that made their game really, really strong. There were moments that they could improve. Like I would argue that Arena is mostly an improvement on MTGO, right? Mm-hmm. Like. But they're not all the way there. And me critiquing Arena does not mean I have to play MTGO. But I just feel like, especially maybe in Twitter specifically, everything must be a polarized experience. Sure. It either must be 100% great or the worst thing that's ever happened to you. So anyway, more nuance hopefully next week. but uh, And maybe more positivity. We'll see. We'll see, Cameron. (laughs) We'll see. Um, Anyway, let's get positive. Let's get out of the segment, come back, and talk about Andor. All right, Cameron. So, more Star Wars talk from us. Mm-hmm. Um, 
so I am one episode in. You are current on Andor, which means three episodes or four. Three episodes, episodes in currently as of Sunday night. Yeah, because they they dropped them all at once, right? They did the yeah. the the quote unquote binge drop first. Um, talk to me, dude. Uh, so you've watched not all the Star Wars shows leading up to this point, right? Yeah, I I gave up on on Boba Fett. But Boba I have Fett watched was... all of Obi-Wan and all of the two season of Mandalorian. Got it. Okay. Yeah. So uh, where do you think this fits in that kind of category? Uh, I, I still think like some of like what Mandalorian did in that first season was just like, this is next level TV and I'm really down with it. Uh, the, I don't even know where to begin. Uh, that first episode, as I was watching it, just watching the trailers and then actually experiencing the first episode, my thoughts were, hey, HBO gave a budget to Disney to make a Star Wars movie or show. Because like it just it the the production value of this, the the level of acting, um, and maybe it's just because like this is a sort of Star Wars thing that I want. I don't need a retread of Boba Fett of a character I just don't really like who just felt like an action figure and continues to feel like an action figure. This feels like real characters. There's stakes that feel like there's something involved. Um, and yeah, it, it, I, I hate using the word feeling cinematic, but it has like these cinematic elements to it that I felt like something like Obi-Wan didn't have. Um, you know, and Obi-Wan was great, but it definitely felt like a TV show at certain points. Mm. This has just always felt like um, a movie, cinematic movie, and I've thoroughly enjoyed my time with it. The first episode's really good. The second episode, I'll tell you, it felt for me a little, like it, it dragged a little bit. I mean, I know there's a lot of like, they have to, de- exposition, they have to kind of develop the story of like at where it's actually going. It's just like one of those things of like Disney, you can tell, like said, we need X amount of weeks, make us a TV show to fit into that. And sometimes that's not good storytelling where it's like this could really have been shaved down to, you know, four amazing episodes instead of like five really good episodes with one that's kind of like maybe middling. So that that would be like my my criticism of it, just like Obi-Wan, just like some of like Mandalorian where... There's some episodes that just feel like maybe filler or just are there because um, the weekly schedule demands it rather than good storytelling. They're they're bridging onto another bridge, right? Like it just yeah. kind of uh, like you'll see it in terms of like, oh, they've got to go to a place to get a thing. Like basically Rise of Skywalker had a lot of this too. <laughs> um, I'm still unclear on what that dagger did. Uh, I've really thought about it way too many times since Don't. I've seen that film. <laughs> Um, but so I'm just one episode in, but here's the thing that I would also argue is star Wars has really become this debate about, um, the Skywalker stuff. And I think the fan base is very divided, um, that, you know, maybe the Skywalker stuff should continue, shouldn't continue. Um, you know, there's a whole big element of the last Jedi in this and, Let's like what I think is comforting about the Rogue One stuff is it just gets to exist outside of that and just be, hey, we're not really engaged in any of that. Um, I still think 
Rogue One, like Rogue One might honestly be what I think is the third best Star Wars movie. There are elements of it that are a total mess, mm-hmm. but I think it is really the only one that actually successfully executes on an actual theme that is not just a Joseph Campbell mm-hmm. like thing. It is an actual like story about kind of like that has an actual point to it. Now, granted, you could say it, it, it resembles a lot of like, um, you know, uh, The Great Escape or, you know, any of these kind of like war movies of, of a doomed group. Mm-hmm. Um, but the formation of the rebellion and how the emperor became this kind of oppressive thing um, has always been a missing piece, right? Like you just know that they blew up a planet and they're bad, but you didn't really get the moment to moment of it. And what I love about these stories is like, you kind of get like, these are the people on the ground that are actually doing the dirty work mm-hmm. and really fighting. Cause Luke is basically um, like a boss tier character. Right. <laughs> and, and so to follow him around is kind of just like, well, whatever. Um, where these other people are really just kind of scrapping it out the best they can. And I think that's what makes Cassian Andor such a compelling character. I actually think the performance of the character is really strong. Mm-hmm. Like to the point where if I see him in something else, I'm be like, hey, it's the dude from Rogue <laughs> One, right? Like, Sure. Um, so I think there, there's, like you said, like there's a script acting level, but there's also, uh, because they're trying to make it so gritty and, and down to earth, the way it's shot and specifically the sets are so mm. much better. Like, I know it has to do, we've talked about this, like their virtual FX thing that they've been doing. But these sets are just, I think, miles beyond. In one episode, even the stuff yeah. in Mandalorian. Yeah. You know? It was shot at Pinewood Studios where, like, the original Star Wars was shot and, like, you know, Dark Knight and, like, all these, like, really, really important movies. And you can tell... When it's, it, I, I just, at the end of the day, we still live in a world where there's an uncanny valley between digital and real. And when there's real, you feel it, you notice it, you know, like you, you subconsciously, I think, are engaged and invested in it more. I think the subconscious thing for me and probably a lot of people isn't so much the actual virtual lighting or the virtual set dressing. It's the way that the actor is. Mm-hmm. like makes it seem like they are not in an open space or they are not in a thing. It's just like some kind of body language thing that you just pick up on. And you're like, that dude is not outside. <laughs> like mm-hmm. it, yeah. it, it just, you can feel it, you know, and you're right. It, it's, you know, your human perception is probably doing a bazillion calculations behind the scenes that you just can't pick up on. Right. Mm-hmm. But like having, you know, ray trace lighting doesn't solve all the problems here. Exactly. Yeah. Um, but no, anyway, in terms of lore though, I, I think it's really fascinating. I think the execution is really interesting. I'm excited to like, just follow it some more. Um, though I have to tell you, dude, I'm like the show count, the things that we're getting hit with here, house of the dragon rings mm-hmm. of power and, or it's a lot. <laughs> it is. It's a lot, a lot. So, you know, maybe if we could spread these out through the, the course of the year, that would be really nice. But I have to ask you, have you have you watched the cyberpunk anime yet? I haven't. So there's a, I have not either. So cyberpunk, like the game, 
yeah. has an anime that's out on Netflix and it's supposedly so good that it actually has lifted Cyberpunk up to, on Steam numbers, higher than the peak of Witcher 3's Steam numbers. So wow. the game has gone through a massive renaissance. And, of course, their you know CD Projekt Red has patched it up like a ton. So assuming I get the time, which isn't pretty likely... I'm going to at least boot it up and start a new game just to see. Yeah. Um, yeah. I haven't touched I haven't really touched it since the new console versions have released. Um, but I think they're like 7 or 8 patches deep on it now. So, it's got to be better than that day one PlayStation 4. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> I I honestly only experienced one strange bug and I thought the game was fine, but then when mm-hmm. they're like, "Hey, we're going to release the new console version and it just kept getting delayed." I kept holding off, holding off. Well, now it's the new console version's been out for like eight months, and I still haven't touched it. So, I think they released it a week before Elden Ring. Oh, so, wow. okay, it's yeah. tough. That's tough. tough. But yeah. anyway, uh, Cameron, if someone would like to get a hold of you and tell you all the new patch notes for Cyberpunk, where could they find you? Please at Cameron underscore McCoy, and I am at Curtis now. Our official show feed is at Spike Feed MTG. We will check you guys next week. <laughs>